to the New York Pages podcast, partnership with Inside the Ring. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz. I'm alongside Makoli Shragi. We'll be talking with Luca to discuss uh, Game 6 recap, the playoff recap, and then the offseason starts. The run is over, but it doesn't mean the contest's ending. We're going to have a podcast every single Monday, so stay tuned for that. We're going to have some amazing guests. Not going to mention them by name yet because it's not uh, set in stone yet. It's basically guaranteed, but you got to make sure, you know. Uh, so, yeah, a quick word from our show sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. And now a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. And we are back with Shragi and Luca. Guys, the run is over. How's it gone? You know, good. Oh, man. Good. I feel pretty good. Same here. Good. I mean, this this elimination feels different than a normal elimination because, I, I mean, normally I'd be you know, depressed, sitting in my, laying in my own bed. The, it's over. The world's ending. But I just feel optimistic. Now, it's okay to feel disappointment because even though, you know, we went even farther than we expected because, like, you know, of course you're going to feel disappointment that, that they got eliminated. But I'm saying is there's optimistic, you know, the, there's optimism to be had here. I mean, this is a young team, young core. And, I mean, they made it. And they took the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions to six games. Um, I mean, this this entire playoffs started off with us saying, "Okay, you have to beat the Penguins. That's your team to beat. You know, you got to get to that second round." And after being down three-one to the Penguins, in which the entire the entirety of sports analytics said, and sports you know analysts said, "That's it. You're done." And the Rangers said, nope, we're not done. They come back with each game, you know, one day the kid line, the other time, the, you know, the veterans. And they come back and they win an absolutely amazing game seven. Then they move on to the next round. They, they face the Hurricanes. Again, they go down 0-2 to a team that was meant to, you know, really, you know, in a sense, not destroy us, but in a sense, they, they were going to win that one. And we were supposed to be very low underdogs to them. And yet we didn't just compete. We beat them in seven. And then you played the a lightning in which you said to yourself, one second, we beat the penguins. We beat the hurricanes. Everything here is the cherry on top. And you got to play a team that is back-to-back Stanley cup champions. You went up 2-0, and I'm sure we'll get into what happened after that. But, you know, I got to feel pretty good on, on, on a, on a team that gave me an absolutely amazing, amazing season. You know, I mean, it's almost like I, – I get what you're saying, uh, Jake, because it's like you're not – I'm not happy they lost by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's still it, – it, it, it hurts. But it's, it's almost like you went to Vegas uh, or Atlantic City or whatever with like $1,000. And then your first whatever, – whatever game of choice you, you people out there listening to like – you you hit hard early on, and then you're just like you're you're playing with house money at that point, and you you, you kept we 
you know, pun intended, ride the lightning. Um, and it's it's tough because it was so fun to watch and you just wanted it to continue. And I personally, it's, it's tough because I personally think that um, it's tough for two reasons. One, because you got up to nothing on the lightning um, and you did something that no one's ever done in this 11 series winning streak for the lightning is you beat them in back-to-back games. That's with, no with small feat. To go up with a chance to go up three. Oh, really? Yeah. But you know, like uh, Mike Tyson says, the fight doesn't start until you get punched in the face and the lightning got punched in the face and the lightning actually responded. You know, that's what champions do. And I think that's, a sh- I mean, it's such a cliche, but it's a valuable lesson that, that this team, uh, I think, learned. Um, there's so many positives to take uh, from this. And it's going to be impossible to talk about all of them in one podcast. Uh, but the thing that's really frustrating, um, and I don't know when we're going to get into it, but the fact that Gallant, benched Kako last night. This is my main, I, don't, I mean, I, I guess I'll just jump into it now. I don't, is that okay, guys? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Sorry, okay. no, I was just swatting at a giant mosquito here. Holy I don't know God. if you were saying, like, we're doing it No, later. no, no. Uh, I was just like, flying. this mosquito's been pissing me off. Um, I do not, A, understand what your thought process is. If, if you need to get a goal, against Andre Vasilevsky. If you need more offense, which is what the Rangers needed, they, they were struggling. They were anemic five-on-five five in games three, four, and five, right? Because our it, best, one of our best puck possession players. Yeah, and so you, you you take him out of the lineup for Dryden Hunt, who is a good fourth liner. Let's not shit on Dryden Hunt. He is a, he's a capable fourth liner, but he's not going to fucking replace Kapokako. He's not going to replace him and, and give you more offense to the point where he's the guy who's the secret ingredient for this freaking team to be, go over the top and get to the Stanley Cup Finals. It doesn't make sense, A, that's one. B, the fact that Gallant denied to talk about it after the game per Molly Walker was very, I think, fishy and just bizarre. Makes me think that there possibly is something else that was going on. Yeah. I don't really know, but that was weird. And the other problem is that this is all that we're going to be talking about now from this point until he signs his next contract because he's an RFA. Kako could literally pull a Kratzov or whatever. You know, we, you know, we as Ranger fans have PTSD from Lias Anderson and Kratzov now uh, having top 10 picks that just forced their way out of town. So, you know, it it was such a great, incredible run and it's so fun. And I hate to start off this freaking podcast like that, but that that is just so fresh in my mind. And it's so. It's so stupid. It's so well, stupid. Gonna, it makes gonna, zero freaking sense. I'm going to intrude here to say something else that I, I think you guys will not agree with me, but I think Gallant, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I think Gallant got too cocky. I think he got desperate. I think he got scared. Let me explain to you, Jacob, scared, what I mean by this. What I mean by this stuff. is, what I mean by this is like this. You, something must have happened, you know, in the locker room or something with Kako. Because it, it was not it was not just oh I don't like him in my lineups because that that can't have been and we know how Gallant is with well his- Larry Brooks did report that he Gallant was never uh, sold on the kid line to begin with which is absolutely ridiculous I mean, that, well, I mean obviously was- he, he clearly wasn't sold on him because he didn't put him in t- together until freaking April exactly and I think I think that Gallant really got to oh this is I know how to fix this I know how to do this I'm gonna switch up these lines. 
I'm not going to say that he, it, you know, the, the entire, uh, the entirety of this game was at his fault because we absolutely showed nothing on offense. But Gallant, by not starting Kako, I feel like even if something happened in the locker room and that's why he didn't start him, you got to start your guys. I don't care what it is. Kako was he wanted, not- he wanted to change something. He's like, I know I have to change something. We have no offense, which is good logic. But he changed the wrong thing, which was exactly. the bad part. And not the, only that, not only that, he really, in a sense, what, what, between me and you, what, the the person that he went after was not the reason we were losing. Okay, and not only that, if I would tell you the players, you know, the negative players throughout this playoffs, I can't say throughout the playoffs, but the people had the most negative moments. I mean, I could go through a list of moments that were negative of players that did things that you're like, what are you doing? I'm waiting on Panarin's injury, man. Exactly, Panarin's. You got to wonder what if if it ends up coming, we have a whole different conversation if it ends up coming that he's not injured, which I, yeah. I've never been more confident that a player has been injured. Uh, I actually to, don't know. If he's not injured, man, there's a lot of big questions to be had with him and being a playoff player. He, he might have been injured in the beginning, but I think he was uh, to me. He looked kind of fine towards the end, like maybe in the Pittsburgh series. I'll give you that. But like. Carolina and Tampa, I don't know if he was still injured. Like he seemed to get better as the, as it went along. So it might have been a, like a not as severe of an injury, you know? Right. Well, you also have to realize that Panarin in the first series, the Penguins are way more physical, I think. I, I don't know if I'm exactly right in the statistics here. I think the Penguins are more physical than the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes were a little more loose um, skating. So that allowed him to probably loosen up anyways um, from, the, from the Penguins series to the Hurricanes series. And then when you come to Lightning series, I mean, the, the Rangers five and five, he got he had to get into the zone. He did a pretty good job. But again, I don't think he played that well in the sense that we were looking to him for really driving this five and five offense, whereas he was more like, you know, playing a little more neutral. He was shooting too much or he was passing too much or he was he was sending it across ice and the Lightning will just pick off that pass every single time. And, and, and throughout the entire playoffs, I could say that he was not a hundred percent, the player that we expected to be the guy that we're paying the most money to, to be this big star. He's the guy we brought in to really be not, maybe not the leader, but to be one of the best players on this team. And I'm sorry to say there are a lot more players on this team that I could say played better than him. Okay. He, he got a pretty much. It's a a problem. uh, Honestly, you're not hoping that Panarin's hurt. You're not, but you're worried that if he isn't hurt, how he played, because you he's your top player and he has to, you know, perform in the playoffs. I just, it's worrying, worrisome for me. I I get Panarin gets the points somehow, even when he's not at his best. But still, man, if he was just ten percent better in that series versus Tampa, we could be the ones right now in in Stanley Cup Finals. Well, the thing that's you're right. And I the, the reason why I kind of like I, I talk myself out of my own point uh, is I, I, I do kind of agree that like he, he had to be hurt because if you look at his even his like his he had a didn't he have a really good series against Tampa in when he was with Columbus? Yeah, he had a good series. Yeah. So it's like it's like the guy has played in the playoffs before, but that was also before Tampa learned how to play in the playoffs, you know, Um so I don't know. It's it's one of those things that, you know, we, we could speculate on that specific issue, you know, from here until, you know, the cows come home. But it really kind of comes to the fact that, like, we just got to wait until the exit interviews, which should be like tomorrow, I think. Right. 
Well, uh, I, I should I be, know that. Well, speaking of stuff like that, Kravtsov signed a deal today. Um, I know we will discuss this later, but I just got a text from about. someone that let's see here. Sorry, my mic was very close to my mouth. Um, he was in discussion with the Rangers his whole season and wanted to return. Now, the question is, is Drury, Drury wants him to return? I personally don't think so. I think he's a goner. However, that's not saying I wouldn't want him. I would love to have him. We are cap. We're on a cap crunch right now, and and we need every player on the their minimum contract we could get. And I think Kravtsov with a high upside, with a low contract, I think it would be perfect to be on a third line uh, winger. But whether that's to be seen, we'll, we'll we don't know. There's honestly like I, you know, it's we can. Uh... Do you want to jump into the offseason stuff first? Or do you want to talk about the rest of the playoffs first? Because I, I, I'm ready to jump in, but I figured we maybe have some type of – you so, guys might have some order. Right, right. So let's let's just discuss first. You know what? I, sorry. No, I so in texting this just now. That's why um, I was just mentioning it before I'm going to forget. Um, let's go into the offseason. But first things first, who your top, who's your top player besides Igor Shosturkin for the playoffs? And then who's your most surprising one? Luca, you go first. Uh oh shit! Throwing me on the spot. Okay. Uh, yeah. big one. I was. You know what? Um. Obviously, you, you. I love. I mean, Igor. I thought he played absolutely insane throughout the playoffs. You know, I know you said you said other than Igor, but I I figured I had to say that. Um, Keandre Miller. I thought uh played in throughout the throughout the playoffs was just phenomenal. Um, and I know he had, you know, like every player, if you're playing huge minutes and, you know, you're tired, all this shit in the playoffs, you're playing against the best of the best, um, you're going to make some mistakes. Um, but there's two other ones that, and I know I'm like, you know, you said pick one, I'm picking three. Uh, but Zabanajad and Heedle, Um, which I know Mika, you know, he had moments where he, you know, he disappeared. Um, but you can't tell me that Mika was not clutched throughout the, this, you know, the first two rounds. Um, I mean, he, he was very, very productive and Heedle too. Cause Heedle, I mean, like he looked like a better, he just looked like he was like, you know, when you're playing Mario Kart and you just hit like that speed burst and you or like the mushroom or whatever, and you grow, like he just looked like he was a man as opposed to a kid anymore. Um, and that was just really, really nice to see. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, Shruggy, um, yeah, so well, what's your top player and who's your uh, most surprising player? So my top player actually is not surprising. Luca brought it up, Mika's a band, Jad. One of the reasons why, and I, I'm going to bring this up for a total different reason maybe than Luca is he turned it on. He knew that this team did not look, especially in the Penguin series, the way they should look. And the second, you know, we were talking about who's going to step up, who's going to step up. And you could even tell, like, in the interview after the Lightning game that he was like, he put so much effort into this game, so much effort into these playoffs. He wanted to go there. He's like, I don't care rebuild. I don't care no rebuild. I don't care what you think of our team. We're going we're gonna to do this. And, and he put such an effort into the game. You could see it on every shot. You could see it every time he was on the ice. He cared so much. 
and he played that well. So to him, he was a bet. I, I think he was our best player, surprising player. I actually like the way that Alexis Lafarnier has grown before our eye, before our eyes throughout these playoffs. The way he's like created this, I, I feel like he created this kid line. He enjoys the fact that he has a kid line that he's like he's a little bit too immature, but still, I like his his energy, the way he skated on the ice you could see even you know game six last night against the lightning he they needed a good play he made two passes to himself and drew a penalty on Stamkos where Stamkos had he crossed over Stamkos so well I I was laughing hard on Stamkos the fact that you're considered one of the best players in the NHL he and this rookie crossed you over He's going to be a great player for the future of this team. This team, and one of the reasons that I think that he's bit, he's going to be a pretty great player is because you see how he took the playoff pressure, and even though he's young and may not understand the pressure, how he took it and just brought his game to another level. One of the things that we discuss always about the playoffs is the sixteen game players, and he took on himself to be one of those players. Yes, there's players like Keandre Miller who had great, you know great highlights and great points. But Lafarnier, every single game, the energy he brought, he had nine hits or something like that in two games, I think against the Penguins to start off. He wasn't just being a player just to score. He was a being a player to try to make space on the ice. He did his job. And that's one of the reasons that I think he was one of the most surprising players and how he brought himself to the next level when we actually did not expect that. And he was one of the question marks actually coming into the playoffs. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with Alexa Lafreniere. He's going to be a star. He's and that double pass was filthy and that drew a penalty. And I thought they could tie it up right here. Um, and yeah, no, he's, he's definitely going to become a star. So mine Who's was your most disappointing. Ooh, I have mine easy. Um, <laughs> the, the Miss the net Ryan Strom, who okay. is, I think, you know what? I'm happy he's leaving. That guy just doesn't sure. do anything, and he screwed up game five. I'm sorry. I'm putting him there. Yeah, I, I kind of still piss about that. That's going to be my nightmares. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be my most disappointing. Ryan Strom just did absolutely nothing these playoffs. I, you know what? I, as much as I find him disappointing, I think he was disappointing throughout the whole season, and he was disappointing in general. And the only reason why that we ever kept him on this team was because of his connection with Panarin and the connection with the way he played. And so, therefore, I wouldn't choose him as my disappointing play, playoff player because he's just disappointing of the entire season. I, I, I mean, he really has not been the center we needed. He's not doing any of his jobs. He's there because he has a chemistry and that's it. And he's not really playing on the ice well. And as soon he had, as he had, well, Look, I, I agree he had a terrible postseason. But he had a pretty good, good regular season. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not. Let's, he's a regular like he's, season player. Okay, but he's not. He's not. No, I agree. Good. I agree. But you, I, I don't know. You, I, I just wanted to clarify. Like the guy did have a, a good regular season. You know, okay, I just wanted not, to say that. Like, I think he's. I look. I'm he did not have. Okay, Luca. He didn't have. He didn't have the worst season. But when I talk, he about had a solid. He had a solid. About, right, when I talk about disappointing, I talk about you're constantly talking about mistakes the player makes. And when you constantly are talking about that, even once every two or three weeks, that even sorry, once every other week or every every third game, that's not what you want from your players. When you see mistakes being constantly made, and some of them the same exact ones, you you don't get you don't feel good about that player. Do you see like cop missing an empty net every every fourth or fifth game? You don't see that. 
Okay, when you see players missing on shots, missing on really the one-timers. in general. At the, exactly, exactly. You points. don't see these players doing those things. For no, me, no, I meant that as a negative. player oh. is, in my sense, Truba. In the sense, Truba, he had some great hits. He played fantastic physical hockey, but there were times that he made mistakes that you just cannot make in a playoff game. You disappoint me when you take a playoff game. I understand you may be young, and it's hard, and you're going to learn. I understand. But if I'm choosing my playoff disappointer, I'm taking Truba. I, I would love to have seen him do better. He's one of our best physical and shot blockers in on the team. He had, I think he led like the, one of the only players this year to have like he led in like, not led, but was like had a lot in both areas. Okay. He had hits and block shots. And he did that throughout the entire playoffs. And he did that against good teams. Okay. And good players in on those teams who are pr- pretty good at hitting themselves. Okay. And he took some of them to, to garbage. Like he, he, he knocked some players out and we know that, but the mistakes he made, you can't, they're unforgivable in the sense that we actually lost a couple games because of him. That to me is a disappointing player. Strom never did. I have an expectation that he's a guy that coming to the playoffs was going to carry us or someone that was going to be at expectation to be a certain way. That's just how I look at it. Yeah. And, and, and I know Ava's going to kill me on this. The fact that she stands up for him, but like, I mentioned to Ava. So we uh, like criticize what's it called players. Like that's that's what the whole business is about. Like I get liking players, but at a certain point, um, I just like listen. I like players that stink too, but like, and I can't back it up. But um, like I love Tyler Mott, but if you're going to tell me that he's commanding three point five million in the offseason, we can't just have him. That's not me, you know, hitting on him. I love him, and I really want him to stay. But salary cap, we can't do it. So um, I, I don't – man, if there was a way to trade – I know we're going into the offseason. If there was just a way to trade Trubo's contract, man, that would be huge. That take $8 million off the books, that we could go and finally solve our second-line center problem. Uh, it's, it's very frustrating that we can't, and we're just going to have to accept that Trubo's going to be here. Um, and he's going to have to, you know, shape up on these terrible mistakes. The main mistake is uh, the penalties, man. The elbows, the high sticks, everything like that is just terrible. Um, Luca, who is your most disappointing player? Uh, it was Strom for me. And it's not even like, uh, I think Strom, like, I, I understand what Shragi was saying in the sense that, like, he didn't really expect much from him. Regardless of if you expected anything from him, he's still your second line center. So you still need production out of him. You know what I mean? Like that's still his job title as of right. Or, you know, as of yesterday, not anymore. Um, oh, he's but, gone. So that, 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 that's the only reason why I chose him. And, you know, whether or not Panarin was hurt, I think it kind of really, if, you know, if it does come out that Panarin was hurt, it really is kind of telling that Strom, uh, you know, is kind of reliant on Panarin to get stuff going. Um, and I think that if we're going to look into, you know, the offseason crystal ball and all this other, you know, crap, uh, I, I, I really think that there's a bunch of different ways that Drury can go about this. Um, I, I have, you know, maybe a bit of a outside the box kind of idea 
and I don't really, I mean, I know people are going to think I'm fucking nuts for saying this, but I would let Vetrano, Rooney, Strom, and Andrew Kopp all walk. Oh, I agree with that 100%. Uh, uh, you would let Kopp walk too? Yeah. I, I honestly, like, look, I like Kopp, okay? I like it. I feel like there are better options out there that we could get. This is my main cap. issue, though. I think that if you're going to pay someone upwards of five to six million dollars in that range, because I feel like that's where cop that's what cop would get on the open market, if not more. There always is like one crazy GM who's just gonna shell out a ton of cash. Um, but with COVID and this flat cap, who the hell knows? It's so hard to gauge these contracts now. I think everyone thought Booch would have would have gotten at least seven million last year. Well, well Lucas, is there a name is you, with your idea of this? Is there a name out there that you would say is someone that we should go after? Is there meaning last year there was a big fish, which was Ico. We never got him. Is yeah. there a big fish this year, or is there just a little? That's the way because that's also the way you're setting up your 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 thing that you're saying. Let all these players go. Let's bring in the biggest. Yeah. Who's your big so fish? my it, it's also like, you know, everything I'm saying, let them go. Like it's contingent upon them to do this. It's I think that you really at this point need to take the kid line. I thought that, you know, whether or not Gallant liked them or not, they were the most productive, consistent line throughout the playoffs. I think you take the kid line, you move him to the second line, you take Panarin and you put him on the first line opposite Kreider and Zibanejad right in the middle. I'm sorry. If Chris Kreider can't play right wing, I, I, I don't understand what the issue is. Well, the majority of his goals come from, in, like, you know, in the dirty area on the power play. So I understand, like, it would be an adjustment or an adjustment. But if I'm if I'm the Rangers brass and I'm and I'm, you know, I'm going into this offseason, I'm telling him when he's leaving to get ready to do that. There has to be, if he's the captain, if he's the undisputed leader of this team, that is something he has to take upon his shoulders. It's not going to be Panarin and it's not going to be Lafreniere. You shouldn't make the freaking 20 year old kid who's still trying to get his feet wet and try and actually get acclimated in the NHL. So I think you take the kid line, you put him on the second line, Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, your first line. And I think you really spend the majority of your off season retooling the bottom six, really. So what if you, what if you, Here's I just sorry I interrupt you. I just wanted to say, what if you go after with the cat? Let's say let's say you trade Nemeth, and let's say you have enough money for a five point five million dollar player, right? What if you go after a guy like Patrick Kane? Now it's interesting. Like I I, look, I love Kane. He he is one of my uh, look. I know he's got some insane shit that everyone talks about off the ice. Um, I'm talking about the player on the ice. Okay. Um, uh, we can talk about, you know, if people want to talk about that, they can talk about whatever the hell they want, but the player on the ice is still super freaking productive. He is one of my favorite players to watch the game. He is, he's Panarin, but like, you know, he's, he's the better version of Panarin. You know what I mean? Um, and I love watching him play. I think putting him and Panarin together again, would be just something that everyone can just enjoy. Just sit back, get your popcorn ready, and that would be a freaking blast. But you put Hito in the middle, and you don't have a problem with second line center because you could freaking put Greg McKeg there, and they're going to look. I think that Hito's. I, I look. Maybe I'm just you know 
Maybe I'm call me crazy, but I think Hedl solved your second line center problem. I, I think I everyone... don't think you're crazy. You're not crazy. Hedl no. showed you. Hedl showed I'm you crazy. that with health, when he's healthy, that with health that he could do it. You know yeah. what I mean? You're not wrong. Um, but there's one thing that I think we have to look at, and that's as much as Kreider had an amazing year. Are you expecting that same year from him? No. No, no, I'm, I'm going with 30 goals. having a line in which you don't know if you're getting the same exact Kreider as 2022. Because the bandage you know will produce. Well, how many goals do we think Kreider gets next year? I'm going with like 30-ish. I'm, would, you know what? I'm actually going to – I'm actually thinking like this. If we're not keeping Cop and you know, Vetrano and all these guys, I, I'm expecting him to have in the 20s. Really? No, I, I, look, I, I think this is the thing that, you know, my brother brought this up too. If you look at – and I'll pull up his Kreider's stats real quick. Sorry. Um, so if you look at Kreider's like, you know, years building up, building up uh, in 2019, he had 28 goals. Okay. So he's right on like the precipice of, thir- of a 30 goal a year. Right. And that was like the magic number that he couldn't hit. Right. And then 2020 or 2019, 2020 season, the COVID year, he had 24 goals in 63 games. Before the season was shut down. That's when he got cold. That's when he was cold to the first out. And the second half, he like scored like I think 15 goals in like 10 games. It was retarded. Yeah. But my 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 point is he still had, you know, what like COVID shut down in mid-March. Like it was like the first I week think of he March. would have hit 30. I think the whole thing was is he would have hit 30. Panarin would have hit a hundred points. I think there was those whole conversations going when COVID came around. Um yeah. and he would have hit 30 again in la- last year. They played 50 games. Or he, I think it was 52 games. He played in 50 of them and he scored 20. So it was 56 he's, games, but yeah, he played. So, 20. I mean, like 20 goals in 50 games, like he's kind of been on that 30 goal plus trajectory, but no one, you know, he hadn't done it yet. And also it was because of the COVID stuff. So the past two or three years kind of hid that a little bit if you like look at the numbers. Um, but obviously, no chance in hell I think he's hitting 50. Um, but oh, I think not, he does. I'm go going with I, like 35 goals. Like, all right. okay. 20 I think 35 would be an incredibly successful season for him again. Well, yeah. that. and that's why, good for a player that's making 6.5 million. That's a good. That's a good yeah. thing. That's you're getting your money's worth. But you know, when I look at when I when I look at our you know the the free agents that are available, there's not that many young centers available. Oh, uh, no. Um, how old is Trocheck? Trocheck is Trocheck. I heard he was in his 30s. Like, listen, what if we get a guy, a center, for a, on a three-year contract? Vincent Trocek, Vincent Trocek is, uh, is 28 years old. Okay, that's not bad. Like, the, the biggest problem with us right now is not, is there anyone to get? It's our salary cap, which is brutal. Because if our salary is... cap wasn't a problem, I'd tell you, go get Malkin at $7 million for a three-year deal. He's not coming. Yeah, but Malkin's Malkin is a fucking lunatic. Yeah, okay? we're not like, like okay. He's not sometimes com- you need a lunatic to win. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I'm just saying, like, you know, okay. if, if we're talking about like, you know, I, I look, I, I I like him. I also think that he was playing through injuries this year. So take everything, you know, that you saw this year with a grain of salt. But he I don't I didn't think he didn't scare me in the the Pittsburgh series. If you're Crosby if you're just- was, I think, phenomenal. Yeah, and yeah, if but you're looking be your for second someone... line center, he doesn't need to be your first line center. He needs to be your second line center behind Zabanajad. That's a massive upgrade. And what about let's say you get Trocek on a five point five? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be a fan of Trocek. I I literally have said a lot. I'm a fan of Trocek, but I didn't. 
I I would be fine getting him, but it's just I'd I don't know, man. I get with Kane, he has problems off the ice band, but we're talking about the player on the ice right now. We're not talking about the person who he is. The player on the ice, I I feel like if you take Cop out, if you take out Vetrano out, and all you put is Kane and another depth player, and you put him on the ice this season on the playoffs, I think we win the cup. Well, I think that I think that there's another problem you have to realize is you do have players like like Lefrenier, Hedl, and Kako, who if you're going to sit there and say, put them at the third line, you have more, and, and you're letting Cop go, and you're letting people go, and now you want to bring in a bigger name, you are sort of having to fill in a new line. That means you're splitting up everyone and filling in. What a do you think about training? I'm sorry for interrupting you so much. What do you think about training for like a guy like Yanni Gord? I'm actually, I'm a huge fan of Gord. I mentioned to you him at the trade deadline, and you said, no way they're trading him. I'm a huge fan of Gord because if you pick a guy like that up for what, four or five, what, what's he going to go for? Um, he has a salary cap hit right now of, I believe, five million for the next four right. years, which is fine. So I'm fine with that as a second line center. No, no, no. no. I'm 100% fine with that. So if you bring him in as a second line center, and, and I would actually match him up uh, very well with Panarin, actually. I think that's a good match. Panarin with, with, uh, with Yanni. And then on the and then at the right wing you could fill in I don't know whoever you uh... the only problem with that is Seattle does not have a lot of centers so you're gonna have to trade one in return. Would you trade Hedo? And, and no, I'm not trading Hedo. I'm not trading Hedo. I would is trade Hedo just. I feel like Hedo's thing was just a hot streak. Okay, was it actually him growing up or was it just yeah. a hot streak? You, you but you can't t- you can't tell me that that's you're gonna trade him now that he do we think that Hedo's gonna become a better player than Gord? I think Hedl could possibly. That's be a your answer. Gord. Uh, no, I, I think there's. I I think they're so they're like vastly different players. They're so hard to gauge. Like yeah. Gord is like uh, he's a he's a phenomenal two way center. And I think actually, you know what? I think Hedl has actually developed a really nice two way game. I think he's pretty damn responsible defensively. I'm not saying he's going to win a freaking Selkie, but I think he's pretty responsible defensively. And he's but when his to trade value is so prompts. high right now, wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? Because what happens if next year it's really just he had a hot streak and he's back to the player he was, and his trade value goes all the way down? His trade value. I don't. Is the I'm not. I'm not be. giving up on young center talent. I'm sorry. Like there, there's, and I I know that Gord is like you know he's not that old, but I'm not giving up on young center talent when he could be the second line center that I think we've been looking for forever. Um, I, I think that the, the plan that I kind of would, if I was, you know, running the show, um, I would, I, I, you, you already heard my idea for the top two lines, the bottom two lines, I would kind of, you know, reshape in this kind of way is like, you kind of get, you get, you, get, you, get, you resign Tyler Mott, you resign Sammy Blay. Um, and I'm sorry, but Tyler Mott and Sammy Blay on the, on a third line. I think that's a pretty darn good start to a third line. What about Paul Stastny as your third line? I, that's you, you fucking read my mind there, buddy. I was about I read to my mind. You know what? That's crazy because I actually looked at him on the thing. I was like, Paul Stastny. Oh, not bad idea. But I, I look, I, I think that, you know, I, I understand that he is an older, older player and he's a little long in the tooth. I think he's like 36 now or some shit. Um, but I, I've always loved his game. And this is the one thing that I'm going to pound the fucking table for. Okay. I'm letting Rooney walk. I'm letting, you know, cop and all these guys walk. The one thing I'm looking for in a center is to win fucking face-offs. Okay. 
And that's something the Rangers were not good at. I think Gord the Rangers haven't been good at it since fucking For the record, I think Gord wins face-offs. I, the reason why I liked Gord is because he played... I, we needed a center that goes to the front of the net type play. That's also a two-way grindy center, like Anthony Sorrell. You know what I'm talking about? So, so by, the way, exact by the way, type, in, that's in, why I wanted him so bad. Yanni Gord, Yanni Gord, his face-off percentage in the past, I'm going to say, I'm going to go to four years. So he went, he was at 43.41%, 53%, 54%, 48%, 49%. Filipino stats are at 38, 38, 42, and 43. He's gone up every single year. Um, which, the, by the, the way, look, the thing I, I've, I've looked, I know we've all seen fucking Heedle. He's, he's not the best faceoff guy. Okay. And neither is the Banajad. The Banajad's like struggled to get to 50% this year, I think. Um, he got better but, as the playoffs went on, by the way. Yeah. But younger players struggle with face-offs because of strength a lot of times. And it's, it's not the easiest thing, especially if you're not an overly, you know, physical dynamo. So I think that's why, A, you see him getting better as he gets older. Um, and hopefully he can continue to get better at it. Uh, but that's also the reason why you have to balance out the rest of your lineup with players that can. Like a Paul Stasny, the past four years – He's 54%, 54%, 54%, 56%. You know, like I, it's just in this year, as a 36 year old, he had 45 points. Um, the guy is, I believe, he's a pretty darn good possession player. At least he was in his prime. He dipped a little bit this year. So um, you'd have the kid line, and then the bottom, the third line would be Blay, Stastny, Mott. And then whoever the hell is on the fourth line is on the fourth line. Yeah. I mean, you, you still have, like, look, and like, I know people love to shit on Barkley Udra. They just fucking love to shit on him. I think he's a, he's oh, a, an no, effective no, no. third line player still. He's, if he's, he's a fourth liner, I think that's even better because that means your lineup is deeper. Well, one of the things Goodrow showed you, first of all, number one. When he, when yeah. he wasn't here, you, you saw it. No, you mm-hmm. realized, right? Exactly. And, when you see that a player like that has an effect, you know that he's good on that third and fourth line. He's not, he's, you know, he, he could be switched between the third and fourth line, which also is very good because it adds depth. One of the things that you look at, you know, championship teams is depth. You see how their third and fourth liners could, could outdo your other, the other team's third and fourth liners. And that's something. And by the way, I really feel this. I don't know if Luca and Jacob, you would agree. This is a young team and adding some veterans is not the worst thing. I that's that's kind of where I was going with it. All. Exactly. Yeah. You don't need to sit here and say to yourself, "Oh, let's let's stick to this young mentality." You keep Braun, or do you go after another third? Do you go after Braun, or do you go after another third pairing guy? Braun's like an old guy. See, the problem is, I think Perron's going to want too much money. No, he said Braun. Oh, Braun. I thought he said Perron. No, no, Braun. Because for the first time ever, we had a solid third line, third pairing. So, I, I I'm not going to go to third pairings want. now because okay. I'd have to look at cap friendly the list. That's for a podcast for another day. Um, I'm not going to mention who we possibly I, look, will have on, but he's pretty experienced in this. Uh, we're going to have him on hopefully in two weeks. But yeah, no, yeah, Luca, what were you saying? Look, I I would already I already I mean I wrote an article about the the third line or the third pair defensive unit uh, like three months ago. I think you already have it in house. I think you roll out, uh, shit. What the hell is the guy? Uh, Zach Jones. Jones. What the hell? I was like, how did I forget his name? Um, I think you roll out Zach Jones and Schneider and you have a 
look, you have a solid, I, I look, I don't understand the apprehension with it. If you wanted to get a veteran like presence back there as well as like your seventh defenseman that you could play every now and then almost like, I feel like they will kind of do with Reeves next year, like someone who can be in and out of the lineup. Um, but I understand that, but I think that at a certain point, you're either a going to have to trade Zach Jones or you're going to play him. Well, is there at a certain a, point, if you a, just let them at a certain point, prospects become suspect. Okay. And their value skyrocket or uh, deteriorates. Uh, for example, Let's talk about the Yankees for a second, okay? Oh, Clint yeah. Frazier, Clint yeah, Frazier was a A-level prospect, fucking A-level, blah, oh, yeah. blah, 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 blah. They got him, I forget which trade they got him in, but he was one of the big trades they trade. I think he was the, uh, when they, uh, who did they trade to Cleveland? Uh, they traded uh, the relief pitcher, the lefty, uh, like oh, five Miller? years ago. Andrew Miller? Uh, mm, yeah, Andrew Miller, yeah. So they, they traded him for Clint Frazier and Clint Frazier was a huge prospect. Okay. And the Yankees punched around and, you know, they kept re-signing Brett Gardner because Brett Gardner, you know, hits 250 or 230. And that, that's, that's so valuable in a fucking lineup. Um, so you constantly put this guy on the bench and you weren't giving him opportunities to play. And when he did, you know, he would make an error or whatever, and then you'd fucking take him out of the lineup and all this shit, regardless you let an A-level prospect deteriorate into absolutely nothing, and you just let him walk in free agency this year. So that is terrible asset management, okay? Well, you have to also understand that I, I'm, I know we're not here to talk baseball, but if you understand what the Cubs were doing, in a sense, the Cubs wanted Jason Hayward because he was the veteran presence. They wanted him to teach players while Clint Frazier was taking too long to develop. And Clint Frazier was in the Indians farm system. Right. So, yeah. And the Indians farm system. So he was picked in the first round and the fifth pick of the 2013 amateur draft. And they, he was traded by the Indians with uh, JP Fireson, Ben Heller, and I think Justice Sheffield to the Yankees for Andrew Miller. And then he was released by the Yankees, which was whatever uh, the most obvious move to do. Player management when it comes to baseball, I feel like is it's also a little different, a little different because also i think that it takes longer for players to develop while a hockey player as much as it takes for them to develop bringing them up sometimes is like the next level and they they hit their their strides then you know i feel like baseball players when they come to the majors it's a much more like bigger jump than no from- it really is not really i don't mean to get on baseball my, right, my, I know my, that. My, just- my main point is you know either let the guy play and earn his spot right and go through the ups and downs or just fucking trade him and get something back for him. That's right. all I'm saying with Zach Jones and Niels Lundqvist. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if both of them were gone or well, one of them. Well, do you feel? Do you feel that? What starting off? If the there's season, a center that we're going to trade for, those are the two guys that are going to be gone. Like if it's for a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois or it's a guy like um, Yanni Gord, they're going to be in that package. There's no doubt 100%. in my mind. I just feel like you have to start off the season. If you are planning on trading, what before you even like look at your trades, you got to look at your lines and say to yourself, well, is he, is he something where I feel comfortable, you know, as my third peer having Zach Jones with Braden Schneider, or do I say to myself, you know what? I don't trust that line. Even as good as it is, I would rather have a more trustworthy player, like trade him for a Yanni Gord, where I know that now my, 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 you know, my top three lines of my, of my forwards are better compared to 
you know, my defensive third line that I feel like I could just fit someone into that line, like, like a Justin Braun or whatever. You know, okay. I just feel like, I just feel like the more important part that you have to realize in your head is what was the bigger problem this year? Our offense or our defense? Okay. Defense. Uh, well, uh, no, no, it was five on five offense. It was five on five, five on five, five offense, five. and that tells you that you should be going after that player that boosts your five on five offense to the next level. And not to I also the, the defensive. It's the, this is the one issue I have with the defense that they they let these they they have the dumbest fucking mistakes. Like they they get caught in terrible situations. It's where usually true. Has to bail them out. Odd man rushes Cuba. all the fucking Odd time. man rushes all um, freaking day. It's I'm gonna throw Cuba. out one name, and it's. It's going to come as a kind of a surprise. Um, but I think that it's a really interesting name that no one's really mentioned yet. Um, Jonathan Tapes. Where's Chicago? Right, right. I know Chicago. Him and, him and Kane are on matching $10 million contracts. Obviously, we can't take $10 million for either of them. Yeah, so it'd be, it'd have to be 50%. 50%. Um, he would cost considerably less than what Kane would cost. On the thing is, is, he did not do well this season while Kane did. That's why I feel like Kane well, is also was injury prone. Uh, he played 71 games this year. Yeah. So 71 okay. out of 82 is pretty good. That's yeah, yeah, for, no, but he no, didn't do really bad. good this year. Okay, okay. But you're also talking about a really, really bad team. And you're also talking about someone who's playing top minutes or top two line minutes. I'm saying, what if you get Jonathan Taves and put him as your third line center? The guy's a 59 or he's a 57% faceoff guy in his career. Throw him in on your third line. You limit his responsibilities playing time wise. He played 17 minutes a game this year. Um, if you put he, that the kid line as your second line. And I'm, this is all contingent upon the fact that you're not giving up the farm to get Jonathan Taves for one. Right. Year. You would have okay? to, you would give up less for Taves than Kane. Like that, you, that's, that, that's my main point. I still right. think you'd have to give up a decent amount, maybe a first round pick and like, you know, first uh, round pick Niels Lundqvist and not, I wouldn't even fucking give up Niels Lundqvist for, I'm sorry. A first round pick, uh, Zach Jones and Kratzoff maybe. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I would, well, this is my Kratzoff before we go, sorry. just wanted to mention that. Do you think Krasov's in a Rangers uniform, or is he gone? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he played a, a game in the for the Rangers. It wouldn't would, wouldn't really shock me. Really? Anything could happen. Even with, with this guy. He's a fucking up with him. Even with Look, I think I think that even if even if you think that Krasov at the end of the day will not be a Ranger the whole next year, I, I do kind of agree with Luca that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he lands up playing on our third line. Like, I don't see that as a negative. And as well, I think that you never know what could happen. Kravtsov could come in and surprise you. You know, he, ha he has not really shown you negatives, except for maybe his attitude and things like that. He hasn't shown you any negatives on the ice, except the fact that he can't make the team and he's a psychopath. But well, other than that, one second, it, Jacob's looking for a psychopath. I am looking for a psychopath. He's looking yes. for. He wants. Nazim I believe Kadri. winners gets. Have he wants Nazim Kadri on the team. He wants to trade for Brad Marchand. Honestly, I, well, well, how about Pasternak? <laughs> that guy might be leaving. Well, so why don't you we have to trade why, the farm for him? I'm one second. What is is? We're, I think Lieber Hayek and Patrick Nemeth for Marchand and Pasta. 
I think that's that's for giving up too much on that one. And giving up too much on that one. <laughs> Finally. Right. So we'll throw in Dryden Hunt. Um, I look, I I he's gonna cost way too much money on the open market this year. Uh, I have a actually not sorry for the sermon. I had actually a question for you guys. Um that has not been brought up yet because we have not said his name throughout the entire playoffs. So that obviously means that, thank God, we didn't have to say his name. Georgiev. He's gone. I don't even think they qualify him. He's gone. But what do we feel about if the Rangers sign him back? No, he's not. Because Drury said uh, he's going to find him a new home in the offseason. I think they – I want – this guy named Anton Forsberg. The dude is the one of the best well, backup the goalies. Yeah, the dude is amazing as a backup. And he doesn't have to play consistently. And if you want him to play consistently, if Chesney gets injured a bit, he can. That's why I, I and with Benoit Lairman, I want him so badly. I've never wanted a depth backup goalie this bad in my life. And this guy is just exact. You put exactly what type of backup goalie you need from the New York Rangers. It spells out Anton Forsberg. That's well, that's basically it. You also realize you also realize that whoever you're going to put behind uh, Shesterkin is not going to have to play many times, and he's right. going to be more needed in back to backs. And because well, we it's, all, it's two things. It's one if Shesterkin, who's injury prone in the season, is he going to have to play extended time, and he's going to have to play very limited time. Also, if Shesterkin's not injured, well, you also need a guy can do both. Well, the biggest problem with Georgiev is he's better as a starter than a backup, and that's because he needs. Yeah, he has to play consistently. So. What, I almost feel like, why are you not happy with a guy like like Kincaid? No, I'm not sold on Kincaid. I I, I think I didn't he, say sold. I'm talking about you know he was positive. He played one game and played pretty good. Next doesn't game. matter. I feel like there are better options out there that are very cheap. Anton Forsberg. I don't think it's gonna even cost you a million bucks. And um, yeah, I I'd go with him. I think though we're also gonna end it off here, guys. Um, Hold on, I, I have I have a few, oh yeah two more things real quick. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, end it real it. quick. Uh, one about goalies. I have zero desire to really dive into who I want as a backup goalie. I'll let Benoit, Larry, and, and Jury figure that out because they found fucking backup goalies that are awesome for like about 15 years. So whatever they fucking decide, I'm you know what, go for it. Uh, that's one. Two, another name for a third line center to kind of revamp that entire thing. And he's a free agent, and they're not going to be able to re-sign him, Nick Paul. He just fucking killed us. He's a phenomenal player. He's a fucking huge body. And if we want big bodies going to the front of the fucking net, I think he's a damn good player. And he's he's very close with Barca Goudreau, so you can imagine that chemistry there. I, I, I think he'd be phenomenal. Uh, anyway, I, he wouldn't cost that much either. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going about this cost control in my mind. Right. But, yeah. All righty. So I think we're going to end up here, guys. Uh, thanks so much, guys. And yeah, hopefully the Rangers don't script this offseason. Uh, reminder, we're going to have a podcast every single Monday with uh, some guests. Uh, check out the NHL 22 tournament. We're doing that. Uh, what else? Oh, a shout out to Katie at Katie Spins. Uh, her jackets are amazing. I recommend going there. Uh, her Twitter's at Katie Spins. Uh, go to there and her email's right there if you want to order a uh jacket they are the sickest things i have ever seen in my life that's not me being paid to say that that's me actually saying that um and uh yeah i guess uh we'll see you guys next time